Hello, welcome to Wednesday night service. Uh, I know I spoke last week, and I was talking about the heart of the gospel. And then I made a quote from Dr. T.L. Osborne that says, you know, what's lacking in the church today is, is, is not the power, it's the gospel. And the whole essence of last week's message was really the gospel is the treasure chase of the kingdom of God, and Jesus is the treasure. No matter where we are in life, if, if those two things remain together, you can't have a treasure chase without a treasure unless you truly don't understand what's in the treasure chest. You can hold on to the treasure chest either way, <laughs> but if it if it's empty, then all you have are the works of salvation. All you have are, not even just the works of salvation, sorry, all you have is the law. All you have is what you can achieve on your own. All you have is if I give, if, uh, if I impress everybody well enough, if, if I stay relevant enough, that means you, all you possess is a treasure chest. If, this is how you know you just have a treasure chest and not the treasure is... When it's time to give, it hurts. When it's time to walk into the promises of God, you believe them so strongly, but there's no word of God in your heart that you're standing on, so you don't have a foundation. It means you've been going to church, and yes, you've been enjoying the ministry, but in your heart of hearts, the foundation is not strong enough. There's no word of God, but Jesus is the gospel of the Father to introduce us to the love of the Father. So this season is such a great time to be alive. And I know Christmas is next week and everybody's going to be eating. But I want to more concentrate on the, on, on the season than just the date. Because remember, here's another highlight is everything I said last week about what was going on in Israel at the time is, is really from Josephus. That was all the research that Josephus had put to, together through a time that the state was in a political turmoil. There was, there was wars between conservatives, liberals, and religious sects, idolatry, poverty, prostitution, diseases, sorcery, division, our grievances, even to the cities that were near where Jesus grew up in Nazareth. That all these cities were under because Jewish leaders wanted to take back their state. And here is Rome fighting against them. So Jesus is, is being born at, or coming into being or coming into life, most theologians believe, between uh, 1 B.C. and 4 B.C. I'm more a 4 B.C. guy. And so because the things that are happening in 4 B.C. that are super detailed that how Jesus came into this world in a chaotic time in the nation of Israel. Again, in 4 BC, I mean, Pene, Passover was canceled and instead was a bloodbath. 3,000 people died. Achilles killed, <laughs> canceled it. Pentecost again was canceled because the Jews seized the Roman garrison and another 2,000 people died. When when Rome gathered all its forces and marched into Jerusalem, yes, restored peace, but another 2,000 were crucified. So Jesus is not trying to be a martyr. 
like everybody else. He's coming on the scene to change the narrative. He's coming on the scene because what he possesses on the inside of him, which is the love of the Father, the nature of the Father, is what everybody needed to be able to change the environment about them. Maybe that's the true meaning of Christmas, and maybe Christmas at its root is really saying the gospel. This is God manifesting into the world is as much important as God resurrecting from the dead. That everything that I ever needed or desired was fully made manifest. I want to share a story here uh, in the book of John chapter 9 that speaks to the message of Christ and who Christ is and why he is the epicenter of the gospel. John chapter 9, verses 1 into verse 2. And, and Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was, was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who, who did sin, the man or his parents? Or that, that he was born blind? I want to break that down for a moment. Jesus passed by. Remember, at the end of chapter 8, Jesus is running away from the temple. Can you imagine God on the run? I mean, not like running away from people, but they wanted to, to stone him. So he's finding his way. Him and his disciples are finding their way to get away from the chaos. In some Bibles, it says, and he walked right through their midst. And then they could not see him. They could not touch him. But even though it was in that process, he turns the corner and he sees a man. And immediately in his heart, he knows that <laughs> this man was born blind. Because John is, to is talking about it. It's like, who sinned? Is it, is it him? His parents, that he's born blind. And that's why this stands out to me. Don't be quick to pass blame as long as it's, <laughs> don't be quick to pass blame. As long as it's always someone else's fault, you will always be stuck in unbelief. They were okay about this man being blind from birth only if and only because they truly believed either he sinned or his parents sinned. That's why he's born like that. And I can't imagine how many people to today have conditions that the doctor has told you, this is autoimmune, this is incurable, this, this you're going to have to learn how to manage. I can tell you when you meet Jesus, <laughs> there is nobody to blame because the light of the message of Christ Flow with me. We are naturally born and saved. We are naturally born Adamic in nature. In other words, we are born sinners. That's why Jesus, although he was born of a woman, he did not come through the Adamic line. He came through the Father. It was the power of the Holy Ghost that overcame Mary and she conceived a child. It wasn't another man. So that means the bloodline of Jesus is not Adamic because the bloodline comes from the Father. 
And so here we are, we are of an Adamic bloodline that's very susceptible to captivity, to sickness. We are, but we become born of the Spirit when we encounter and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once the gospel of Jesus comes into our hearts, then the Spirit of God dwells in us. Once we believe unto salvation and, and, and be transformed in our hearts, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells in us. In other words, we become transformed. So what God was doing is that I'm going to send them the transformation key right in the middle of this chaos that was going on in, in Jerusalem, right in the middle of this chaos that's going on in the world today, right in the middle of the chaos that's going on in your house, a Savior has been made manifest, not just so you can see a figure in our time. In our time, the Savior has been made manifest through His Word. I had a friend always ask me, David, every time I read the Bible, I don't understand it. And I, and I would always ask, how do you read it? And then he said, I just read the verse and they say, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And they said, what does that mean? And then I would say, it means exactly what it said. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. But, but there must be something more. There has to be something deeper. I said, have you read Genesis? Have you read Leviticus? Have you read the Gospels? For you to have a full glimpse of what everything on the table tastes like, you can't just test one plate and be like, oh, this table is awesome. I can't imagine on, on Christmas Day you set up the table and you're like, oh, there's chicken, there's, there's all kinds of stuff, green beans, mashed potatoes, casserole, and you sit on, on one dish and, and eat the green beans and say, the green beans are so good, therefore the whole table is good. Although it is, the only perspective that you now have is green beans. And if you try to break down the green beans to make sense for all the other dishes, that's how we end up with people trying to get to know God through a perspective that only is best on what they need. God, if you heal me, I'll believe in you. Well, that means you've put the message before the person. Maybe if you understood or grow yourself into the, God healed me. He already died on the cross for me. He set me free. This, I'm going to see the glory of God in this situation. I see the glory of God in this situation. Actually, the more you read the word, you realize you are the glory of God in any situation you're in. And that's why the message, the gospel is the heart of, of the Father being made manifest. Whatever I believe the Father is will manifest in my life because the only way I know the Father is through knowing Jesus. Whatever doubt I have about who the Father is will manifest in the way I read the message that the Father sent. And so, in other words, Jesus was leaving the temple to escape the fury of the people who had taken up stones to cast at him when all of a sudden he looks over and there's this man who doesn't know Jesus, he's living in outer darkness, has never seen daylight before. He's living in physical darkness, but so amazing that if you, whatever is manifesting on him is also in his spirit. So he's living in eternal darkness as well. He doesn't know the Father. And that's why the Bible says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You cannot know God 
Let me put it this way. Everybody in this world is going to live even after they die from here. In other words, everybody's going to live forever. So the gospel of salvation is not about you living forever. <laughs> the gospel of salvation is about you knowing the Father because when you know the Father, you return to the Father. And the ones who don't know the Father, they go to another place of eternal torment. They're not dying, they're in eternal torment. And that's why when the, the whole message of John 3.16 is not necessarily based on God saving you from hell, it's actually God's changing you to be like him. It's God saying, I don't want you to spend eternity anywhere else, but I want you to spend eternity with me. In other words, what Jesus was saying when he saw this man, he said, I don't want you to spend eternity in your Adamic nature. I am the light of the world, and I'm pleasant here. I'm going to bring light into your darkness. I'm going to bring light into your situation. I'm going to bring hope into your, into your situation. And this is why I say this, and this may apply to this situation or even more situations in the Bible. You don't need faith to move the hand of God. I know that's going to be like, oh, David, let me think about this. You don't need faith to move the hand of God. He already moved. The moment Jesus showed up in this earth, the moment Jesus showed up, the moment the Word of God showed up in, the, in this situation, it says darkness could not comprehend. In other words, darkness could not grasp the light that was made available. So it wasn't because we had, the man had so much faith. The man was conditioned to be a beggar not far from the temple that Jesus was kicked out of. So his whole business in life was to get from who had. And now he's in a situation where heaven responds. You know why heaven responds? Because faith simply receives. I'll say that again. Faith simply receives what God has already made available. God sent his son, his son full of glory, the brightness of himself, the glory of the father, the nature of the father. And now here is a blind man sitting, a blind, a blind man standing, sitting outside the temple who is going to receive from the glory of God without ever knowing the heart of God. Because faith received God went ahead of all of us and made his grace available. And therefore, everything he made available in his grace, now we can access by faith. This is the difference between religious preaching and gospel preaching. Like everybody was saying in verse 1 and 2, who sinned that this man is in this condition? It's almost like the man had a role to play against his sinful nature. He couldn't not save himself from, from sin, but I can promise you he was taught he was in that condition because of how filthy he was. Or maybe his parents didn't do a good job. You see, sometimes we bring in all the issues that we so choose on everybody because we want to blame somebody, and sometimes we blame parents that don't even deserve the blame. And sometimes we blame the people that don't even deserve the blame. Maybe what God is saying through this message of grace in this time is what if you walk through this season of life with the kind of love that he has for you, that he chose to send his son 
in this world for you. Maybe you have an aunt that doesn't come to your celebrations. Maybe this year they won't have to come because of COVID. But maybe instead of that being a joy, can that be that, whoa, Father, I pray for them. That, I'm not, that even though I wasn't able to be the best representation of the gospel of Christ, wherever they are, we declare salvation. So I, I declare prodigals coming home. I declare phone calls. Unity because the more light of Christ that shines in our lives, it makes the difference between religious preaching. The grace of God is God giving you what you don't deserve. And the mercy of God is God holding back what you do deserve. What you don't deserve is his manifestation of the Father's nature doing and perspective. In other words, in every situation, once I understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, I walk through life with God's opinion on everybody I meet. What's God's opinion on everybody I meet? <laughs> they are the glory of God. They are the healed of God. They are provided for by God. Their condition is only temporarily if it's against the word of God. I can pray with them. I can encourage them. I can hug them. I can be a blessing in anybody's life, not because I have so much money or wealth, but because I possess the word of God. And this is what makes the line flat. Because rich or poor, the Word of God is for both. And if we possess the Word of God, that means the bridge that has been so long religiously being put between people is crushed now. We're one people because we all desire one call of God in our lives. What everyone else thought was punishment from God, Jesus saw as an opportunity to reveal the heart of the Father. Every time I say the heart of the Father, you could easily just replace that with the opinion of the Father. Jesus looked at the blind man, and instead what he saw was a man who could see, a man who had his whole life together. And it was easy, because he could see it, that he could allow his faith to manifest it. I'll say that again. Faith sees. So what, what Jesus saw in the blind man, he didn't see a man who could not see. He didn't see a beggar. He didn't see a man just sitting on the streets like the natural was saying. What he saw was, this is my father's son. This is my brother. This is a man whom God loves. And God wants him to see. And God has sent me to be his light. And what an opportunity I get to have that I get to allow him to see himself in the condition that God sees him. We have a role in this world. We're not just built for heaven. We're built for this earth that in any situation we declare what the word of God is. There's no way if you have encountered the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot see the gospel in motion in everyday life. We have beggars on the streets. We have homeless people. We have people in hospitals. We have people in all kinds of life. Families going through divorce. We have runaway children. We have broken families. We have, <laughs> we have issues happening every day of every minute. People are dying. And God is saying, you and I have a role to bring this message of salvation, peace unto all men. Only by even speaking the message, 
Because once we see what God sees, we can speak what God has shown us, and then we, the people get to see the glory of God. That's why Jesus, every time he went into the house, he said, peace be to this house. Because what he saw was the manifested glory of God just showed up in a house. And that means every demon, every hindrance, every plan of the enemy is canceled that day. You know, what they had believed had made this blind man become so comfortable in the condition that he, he was in. I'm talking to you, maybe you, you have an autoimmune condition, Parkinson's. And they've told you how to survive with Parkinson's. I know a man who got healed of Parkinson's in the middle of the service. He was shaking. It was so bad. He couldn't even hold to anything. He couldn't even hold a bottle. His hands would shake and shake and shake. I remember that was one of the moments, even in my own heart, I was like, God, really? Let us see your glory manifestation in this place. Let us see the perspective. The perspective that you have towards this man. And I remember the hands were like this, and it slowed down, it slowed down, it slowed down, and he could hold the bottle straight. They told him, switch to the other hand, and he held it plainly, and the shaking went away. They went to the hospital. The doctors could not explain it. They're like, all I know is the tests look different from what they were. And from that day on, that man progressed through his life without any more symptoms of Parkinson's. That's what I'm talking about when we understand that the word glory just doesn't mean a cloud filling up your house. Maybe we've limited the glory of God to like a thick cloud filling up your, your living room. And because in the Old Testament, when the glory of God filled up the room, people would run outside. But I remember in the Old Testament, there was a guy called Moses, that when the glory of God came, he went in the tent. And then there was another man called Joshua who went in the tent with him. When everybody else was standing outside watching, God, was, God and Moses were having a face-to-face, face-to-face conversation while Joshua is learning everything that Moses was doing. In your house, you host the glory of God. In your house, you host the presence of God. Not because you think it. It's because it's part of the gospel package. It's part of the treasure chase that you inherited when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. They believed at this time in a God of punishment. In other words, what was physical blindness was a blindness to the nature of the heart of God. So the man was blind. The disciples were blind. Everybody around the community was blind. And that's what Jesus often says. If the blind leads the blind, they all fall in the pit. Because what they are believing is what the Bible calls unbelief. I used to think unbelief is the inability to believe. (laughs) But have you thought about unbelief to be you believing the wrong thing? Maybe you believe what the doctor said more than what the Word of God said. Well, some people tell me, well, I believe what God said, but I need to be wise. If the wisdom that you have is not out of the Word of God, (laughs) I warn you ahead of time, that's not the correct wisdom to have. 
If you need to be wise about the Word of God, then the wisdom that we possess needs to come from the Word of God because unbelief is not only inability to believe. It's when what I believe isn't in line with the apparent view of the glory of God. Every time we do not know the essence and the heart of the gospel of of God, we are held captive to our unbelief. The wisdom and knowledge was based upon what those people that judged the blind man knew. It wasn't because they didn't know. It was because what they knew was based on the law. And the law was based on exposing sin. And sin was the darkness that was in their hearts. And the darkness was, was in their heart gave birth to the sicknesses. Deuteronomy 28.61 says, All of the sickness that are mentioned in this book, and the ones that are not mentioned, were all a curse of the law. And Galatians 3.13 says, We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. The moment Jesus showed up in this earth, this is a picture he's painting for us. I'm not here just to leave. I'm not here just to die. I'm here that you and I may be transformed. He's here so we can be transformed and set apart. What you believe will, will either spark the blessing of God in your life, or it will spark and believe where you'll be living forever bound. I'll tell you a story. I remember this was again in Uganda. We were growing up. My dad's ministry was growing strong. And there were, and there were things going on. It, it was Christmas and the service was full. The people were celebrating. We were all happy. But I remember this one Christmas because we actually didn't know what we were going to do after the, after the, after the service. Uh, there was not enough money. There was no food. And I remember my dad being so disturbed, and, but he could never confess or just say, you know what, let's go visit another family. Let's let them invite us. No, he preached a great message that day about believing in the power of God. And I remember the service ended. We get home, and we're sitting in the living room, and mom is not cooking there is no food in the house. Uh, usually we sing Christmas music. Uh, there was nothing going on. Dad is just in the room, just everything seemed like, what are we going to do? And I remember just he's, he's sitting there as a, as, a, as a child thinking, this must be the worst Christmas after one of the greatest services we've ever had in life. And we're sitting in the living room. I remember dad is just like saying, something is about to happen. Guys, get the dishes ready and get this ready because we are about to eat. And before he even finishes the, the sentence, we hear a knock on the door. And it's a lady with a bushel of there was chicken in there, there was beans in there, there was bananas in there, there was kind of fruit. I remember that day turned from sadness to celebration and all of us were so amazed at how calm my dad was about the entire situation. But when we went to eat and enjoy the food, he decided to go in the sanctuary and get on his knees and begin to thank God before he even ate. That image has stayed in my mind ever since because he was not impressed directly by the food. He was more moved that God 
moved in a situation that we dire needed a move of God because it was a situation that was difficult. The pastor doesn't come and say, hey, there's no food at the pastor's house. So if anybody needs to provide us some food, please bring it over. That would have been easy. But he didn't do it. And that's why even in this situation, Jesus is on the scene sharing something. So Jesus, in verse 3, it says, verses 3, Jesus answered, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God, <laughs> the works of God here means his glory. Remember, the glory means the full elimination, apparent view, and manifestation of the Father's nature, doing, and perspective. So what Jesus is saying that this happened, this darkness out of his Adamic nature happened so that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it's still day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am, the, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the full elimination of the Father. Let me show you another one. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without foam and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. This sounds like Jesus is saying, I was there in the beginning when we made man. I was there in the beginning when creation was being made. As long as I am the light of the world, as long as the world exists, I am the light of the world. In other words, and this is in, in the... In, in the David Living Translation, in other words, my translation, Genesis 1, 1 through 3, God is saying, in the beginning, God created the spiritual and the manifest. The manifest being earth, the heavens being the spiritual. And the earth was without foam. In other words, the earth, in essence, the manifest, which is man and all of creation was without form. In other words, it was confused. It was void. There was an emptiness. But that emptiness, and says darkness was in the face of the deep, and I translate that as darkness was deep in within the nature. And this is after man sinned. And then God says, let there be light. Look what happens. Everything that was confused, everything that was empty and, and void, all of the sudden, all confusion and emptiness ceased because the light showed up. And Jesus, in John 1, 4 to 5, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. In other words, the darkness and the blind man that, that Jesus saw, he had seen before in Genesis where the light overcame, the light of God, the message who Jesus is, and he is the light of the world, and in him is life and the light of all men. Therefore, this light is going to work in this man because the darkness that's in him has and cannot comprehend what Jesus, what 
the Father through Christ has made available to him. And that applies to you too. So I don't mind what you're going through. But the same light that was at the beginning of the world, the same light that manifested life into the world is the very same life that is being manifested in this season for your condition, for your situation, for your loved ones, for whatever you're going through, lack, provision, guidance. I pray that God walks his light into you. The gospel manifests the influence of God in mankind. Believing the gospel produces in us the nature of Christ by his spirit. The gospel is, it has no legalistic requirement. It's a message of faith. We don't beg for salvation. We receive salvation. The gospel is wired to flood our hearts and mind with the life, light, joy, freedom, and hope. Even in our weaknesses, we can be confident that the power of God is accessible. I'll finish with this one story. I remember there was a year when, whenever uh, ministry was growing in Uganda, and, and I remember people coming to, together, together to build a structure for the church. And the moment they had finished building it, there was a witch doctor in the village. Him and his team, they came up, and they set the structure on fire on Saturday night. So they're supposed to have service in the morning, they spent all week building this structure so people can have service on, on Sunday. And the witch doctor and his team, they come into on this, on this little structure and they set it on fire. And I remember my dad walking out in the middle of the night saying, there's fire, fire. And by the time, you know, in Uganda, there's no, uh, there's no um, ambulances or fire trucks. So you pretty much watch the fire burn. And so they watched the entire building burn down. And I was thinking a civil war was about to break out. The Christians were going to be mad. But I remember my dad standing there and saying that this was going to preach the gospel better than the words he was going to speak on Sunday. And I remember that's, that's, that service still happened. But we were under a tree. And I remember the word of God came forth in prophecy that whoever did this wasn't going to leave in that area longer than two weeks. That whoever had done that was going to have to leave that area and have to relocate. Because what he was about to encounter about the gospel of God, he could not handle. What he had done, what this witch doctor had done was light up in the physical. What was already lit up. In my parents' heart. So I encourage you to say the gospel in its essence is about restoring us to God's view and, and opinion of us. Heavenly Father God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in every single person that's here. Every single person that's at the sound of my voice. Every single person that's, <laughs> that desires to see your glory. Just like Moses cried out, God, show us your glory. You sent the glory to us through the words of the prophets, through the Psalms. And somewhere between 1 BC, 4 BC, God, 
it manifested. Once, Lord, in the past, man was reunited with you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your spirit at Pentecost was multiplied to all them that believe. And I pray for those that believe this message right now, Lord, that they see your glory in their situation. They begin to expect your perspective, your manifestation, supernatural demonstrations of your Holy Spirit in their lives right now, even those that have to be alone, excluded from everybody else. Lord, I pray that favor, that favor that only comes from you, that peace that only came from from you, that peace that Christ endured for us to manifest in every single house, in every single gathering, first by your word, in their hearts, that we are set on fire afresh. Let this Christmas be a recalibration of what you did for us 2,000 years ago. Let us be a kingdom that you so desire of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That even though you were born in such chaos in Jerusalem, in Israel, that even in our chaos right now, your word is still the same. And Father God, I thank you for doing it for all those who are sick right now. Arthritis is being healed. Gout is being healed in the name of Jesus. You've been having pain in your hands. I declare healing right now. May you see the glory of God manifesting in your life. Knees are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Pain, I declare you to go. I see provision. And maybe what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you wherever you are, and you want to receive Christ in your life. You want to say, David, I need to know what this is. I'm new. Everything you're saying sounds like it's far-fetched. It's from a far world. I want to talk with you about this. Comment on the video, and there's a group of people that will get in touch with you and share Christ with you. But if you don't mind, say this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for your express image. I thank you for the brightness of your glory. I thank you for your perspective of me that you would send your son to die on the cross for me. I receive you now in my heart. I receive you by faith. I receive your word in me. I receive your word because I know it's going to work in my life. I am new. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen. Today you are launched into a newness of life with Jesus Christ. Keep us posted. Let us know what we can do to help you walk deeper in favor with God. And have a blessed rest of your evening. Thank you.